What you think about these aviators? You like that? This Koshan is my favorite. That's, That's one of the cool. limited ones. Mm. It's one of my favorites. I've bought in several boxes of those. Mm. They just got the the night something in of them. Night okay. flights. Night flights. They're awesome. Wow. I, I got a, um, you know, I was talking to Ken um, Hamlin. Yeah. And I was telling him, man, he has a pretty decent stick too, man. He did good. He didn't just put no bullshit together, you know? Yeah, no, his stick's really good. I like it for, uh, it's more of my coffee cigar, mm -hmm. like morning coffee cigar. Mm -hmm. Man, how y'all day been going, man? I can't complain. Yeah. Well, we're rolling. Yeah, you've been on. Ah. Oh, yeah, we just, hey. We just that's, showed that's over gonna here. That's going to be great footage. On our end. That'll be great footage yeah. after, man. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Well, welcome to the show, Tony. Thank you for all y'all joining us today. As you guys know, we've got Tony Hills today here. Thank you for joining us, man. How's your day been going? Man, listen, you know, we came in from work, closing some deals, getting some deals in the pipeline, and... Just enjoying, you know, the retired life and getting back into the work life, life right? <laughs> yeah, for those of you who don't know, we've got 10-year veteran here, played for many, many teams, mm. uh, Super Bowl champ. I got one of those. Texas Longhorn National Champion. I don't know what I'm doing inviting all these Longhorns I on got, here. I'm going to have got, to invite me a sooner uh, on here, no, sooner no, or later. No, no, later. Yeah. Absolutely. Later, later, later. Later, later, line, later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we do have the Red River rivalry coming up. It soon. is coming up, and we both we both took L's, man. So we got to, you know, that game still means something, right? We still got opportunities to make things happen. So I'm excited about it. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little scared, man. You guys finally got you another coach. That mm. I think you're actually going to give him the time and chance to do something. Well, what choice do we have? Everybody else that we have is fizzled out. Yeah. So it becomes a situation where if you don't allow the coaches to develop the players, if you don't give them the opportunity to put their systems in and you don't and you stop, if you continue changing coaches, how do you ever expect the team to progress? You had one of the uh, guys that talked about the seniors on that team. Yeah. You know, those seniors have had four different coaches, four to five different coaches each year. Yeah, that's How ridiculous. do you expect anything? Like, anything you do in life takes consistency. It's true. Right? It's kind of why we we ended up on the subject last week, too, talking yeah. about the standard is the standard. Yeah, which I know man. you're a yeah. proud proponent of that saying. Absolutely. And uh, your boy Jonathan Scott and I got onto that one for a little bit, and he hammered me with how many coaches the Steelers had. Yeah. And we talked about the Cowboys, too. And he, I couldn't even name all the Cowboys coaches as a fan. I mean, it's been kind of ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, but. Well, even, even well, that, that happened towards the latter. But for a long time, it was, um, you had the hat, Tom Landry. Yeah. Um, after Tom, they brought in, was it uh, Jim, is Jimmy? Did Jimmy come in after Tom? Yeah. Jimmy came in. And then they brought in Switzer, Right. Yep. And then uh, I think after Switzer, they brought in Parcells. Parcells. And then and after Campo. Parcells, they brought in, I forgot about Campo. Campo. That was the one that got me last week. Yeah, too. I, got, I forgot about Campo. And then from there, Jason Garrett. Yep. And then you had a staple for a long time, which with Dallas, the whole thing with them is this, they just could not get over the hump, right? There was just yeah. something when it came to the playoffs. 
You know, you just weren't able to, to, to make things happen, except in 2014. I just so happened to be there. But in 2014, you know, we were a game or a catch away from actually going to the NFC Championship in the Green Bay space. So outside of that. I was supposed to be at that game. I was so mad I didn't get to go to that. But then I was kind of glad at the end, too, because, man, that would have been heartbreaking to be uh, there. It was heartbreaking, it was heartbreaking to play. enough <laughs> to watch it at home. Yeah. And I yeah. blame one of my friends because he came back, and I'm sure you're going to have a different opinion of this probably. Yeah. But he came home as a Cowboys fan with a cheese head, mm. talking about it was a souvenir. Mm. And I said, you were the curse. Like, we got to break this curse. Like, I'm going to have to burn this thing because you literally cursed the team. <laughs> This is like the great jinx. Like the great white hype is what I told him it was. Uh, man, you know, there's diehard fans and then there's fans fans. And at the end of the day, if I can get some free stuff, I'm going to get it too. Yeah, you know, I, I, can, I hear you. I understand it. I well, I might it. have to hit you up on that. Speaking of that, because my one of my nephews yeah. is a diehard Broncos fan. Yeah, I played with them too. And I know you <laughs> did. And we have a bet this year that if they end up with a better record than the Cowboys, yeah. I got to wear a Broncos jersey next year. Well, I'll let so you if go. I got to wear any Broncos jersey, yeah. it's going to have to be my boy Tony's. I, I, I can rock, we can rock with that. Listen, you know, this is the thing. And, and the, the NFL is funny this way because you have Cooper Rush. Right. Enter in. He's already won. What they're two and one now, right? Mm -hmm. So he's already won. Uh, he's already won a game. He's, he came in and finished uh, last week. Um, my thing, and I was talking to somebody at the at a gym that I work out at. In uh, in uh, well, I don't want to get to where I work out at. They might try to find me. So <laughs> at a gym that I work out at, uh, we were talking about how can can he sustain, right? Because right now the NFL doesn't have any film on him, so they don't know his tendencies. They don't know what his favorite check down routes are, what his favorite routes are. Uh, they don't know how he really is under pressure, what kind of pressures to send. So they're trying to figure him out. I'm interested to see once they figure him out how he performs if Dak right. is not able to get back on the field for a prolonged amount of time. Because I think he's just slinging it right now, and that's what looks good to me. That he, in fact, that I don't think he's – He's not trying to find the perfect guy who's in the play. The ball. Whoever he sees that's open, he's slinging it to him. Yeah. And I think that's a benefit right now. Well, it is. It's kind of like the whole thing where you think about, like, I've, I've never been a, a proponent of let's put together, let's stack a team full of superstars. Because you do that and, like, yeah, it looks great on paper, but where's your grimy guys? Right. Where's your guys that still have to work for it? Where's your guys that, you know, I don't have a name, I'm trying to make one. You need a mixture of those guys along with your stars to be able to make a great team. And so when I look at what Cooper's doing, it's not just C.D. Lamb is the guy. No, I'm going to find whoever, who's ever's open because at this particular point, I'm still probably trying to get a little bit more comfortable with the offense. I'm not right. there yet. So let me and – then, and then the other part is because I'm a backup quarterback, you know what they're more prone to do? What's that? Can I cuss on him? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Follow the fucking system. Right. And not overthink because I'm, I'm I've done this for so long and I'm comfortable. I used to listen to Shannon Sharp talk and, you know, he played for a long time in the Hall of Famer. And he talked about how he, he always took notes. Now. Bro, he's freaking yeah, yo, I bro. saw him the other day on a workout video with a Mr. Olympian. 50-something years old. <laughs> yo, he looks better than he did when he played. Man, it's because he's not smoking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he drinks, though. He likes that yak. But, you know, you follow the system. Allow the system to allow the players to perform, allow them to, to progress, and then go through your progressions and hit the guy. It's a very simple game. That's why I like New England, to be honest. Like the guys that have played for New England, one of the things they talk about, I ask them about Bill Belichick. I say, hey, man, what makes him so great? 
And he says, man, listen, whatever your strength is, that's what you're supposed to do. So the Patriot way, what everybody talk about, is very simple. Do your job. Kind of like the standard is the standard. The standard is the standard. And their version is do, do your job, you know. And so if you do your job, then everything works out. Right on. Well, that kind of leads me to one question I definitely want to ask you because you played under a lot of great coaches. Mm, mm. And what are, what are some of the most memorable life lessons on or off the field from some of these great leaders? Because, I mean, you were under Mac Brown, Tomlin. Yeah. You yeah. guys had Dick LeBeau there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and you were under a plethora of other great coaches. Correct. I had an opportunity to, to, to witness how everybody did it, and everybody did it in different ways. So if we're going back to collegiate, collegiately, Mac Brown's thing was all about not hurting the team. Right, putting the team above self. And that, that bodes well in a lot of things, in business, and in, in, in as a leader, as a man, as a family man. Um, you know, uh, whenever you're having to interact and work with groups for whatever that common cause is, always put that above yourself because whatever it is that you're wanting individually will come, right? So that was his thing, being able to put the team above your, your ego and also taking care of one another. There was a very, like, uh, family environment, family atmosphere in college sports that's not really there in the NFL because although you can say one thing in the back of your mind, you always know it's a business, right? Right. And uh, well, now <laughs> with the NIL, I guess they're really starting they're to They're really making money now. Right? They're starting to experience what it's like in the NFL, man. But I look at it and I say, okay, you take that and you can use that. But for me, Mike Tomlin by far was one of the most influential ones. And, you know, just, just keeping it a book, man, I, I've never played for a coach that looked like me. You know, so there was a lot of pressure that I feel that we, we felt, some of us, I know I did, I'll speak for myself, I felt the pressure to be able to, whenever I was, I was out there, to be able to represent not only myself, but to represent him, because I wanted that opportunity for him to continue to, to, to go and, and go as far as it potentially can, along with other guys. He's a, he's a great coach. But he's a great man farther than that, you know, and he, he allowed us to be men. We, uh, we held ourselves accountable. And then on top of that, I was on an older team. Dude, we had over 100 years of experience just with the defense, of the, the, the 11 on defense alone. Right. Right? That's I mean, something that's really in. resonated with, every, with both oh. of you guys when I talked to you guys. I mean, I know you all were teammates yeah, and everything else. That was but. a freaking year. Yeah. Did he talk about that? He talked a little bit. We didn't get too much. Oh, you know, you know, you know, Jay Scott doesn't really show up on time to things. So, no, you know, no, we, he, he's we, on his own time. He's we, on Jay Scott we, time. We had to operate on Jay Scott time, but Ooh. we're going to have him back on because, I mean, I could, you know, you can talk to Jay Scott for hours. I mean, of knowledge. I'm sure we're going to get the same thing. Biz is going to be over there telling me that you and I got to shut up you yeah. know, before we're even close a, to being it's done. It's a plethora of knowledge. So, Jay Scott, not only being uh, one of my best friends, He's also the godfather of my second, ch my second child. And he's also the reason why I learned how to play offensive tackle because I moved positions. I was the number one tight end in the state of Texas. Right. What was that like for you? Like, you the know, transition? you were so highly recruited. Yeah. And like, you were like one of the top tight ends in the country. Correct. Yeah. And then you. I, I think got you, Vernon. Yeah. Vernon, I got you in high school, bro. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was ranked higher than you, Vernon Davis. We've had this conversation. You know it. You know it to be true. That's awesome. Yeah, That's no. awesome. And you had a, a nerve injury in your I leg? I did, yeah, man. So I, uh, I suffered an injury in the semifinal game, the game before I stayed against Converse Judson. And uh, it stretched my perennial nerve. I broke my ankle. It tore up all my – well, no, I didn't break my ankle on that one. I tore up all my ligaments in my leg. 
And I had to have, so LCL, PCL, MCL. Like a possible, you might not even get to play again. Play, we were talking about walking. Yeah, Yeah, I used to have this uh, cast that used to keep my foot up because my foot couldn't do the dorsiflex motion. It just Mm. hung like this. So, uh, after surgery, Raul Nath and Dr. Bruce Mosley, prayers to those brothers. I appreciate them so much for um, dealing with the insurance. You know, when you grow up in the hood, you just got to get whatever insurance you can, and they didn't want to pay for it. Right. So they worked with us anyway, and they made they made it happen. And, um, man, it came back. You know, I, I didn't have any feeling in my leg. I, I went in. So the whole story is you get hurt, you lose the feeling in your leg, you meet these doctors, they're going to work with you. Um, they're letting you know that, we're, you know, we're going to do our part and let God do the rest because that's where it's at, right? And so I go in and I have the first surgery. Nothing happens. But I got to get healed up to go back to have the second surgery. So for six months, I'm walking with my foot like this. They put a cast on. And, you know, at that point, you know, as an 18-year-old kid that's, that had dreams and aspirations of going to the next level and you see your dream. And I get this is a good story for people that have been in them dark places. Man, I love the darkness, man. You know, I love the darkness. I feel like my life has been formed in the darkness, but that's where I found my light. You know what I mean? It's what taught you. Yeah. And so six months, I, my uncle is uh, Santana Dotson, so he gave me a workout. And, um, you know, he was like, nephew, just do your thing. Just do your thing. Just prepare. And so I used to go to the 24-hour fitness across the street from where I lived in Houston. And then I would work out there, go, go to my, uh, my gym in my apartment, and I would, I would run, these, run the incline for 20, 25, 30 minutes crying because the pain from that cast moving into my foot was so unbearable. It's, I, it, was cutting me, it was cutting me. I started bleeding. But I couldn't stop because I was in so much pain from my situation that I, it got to a point to where I couldn't feel the pain physically what was going on with my foot and that actually trained my mind what do you think instilled that in you to even like push yourself like that i did not like the situation that my mother was in okay and i and i i knew that football was a way to get her out so for me the the the, i think the tears and the pain came from the fact that how do i get her out now right because this was my ticket and so my mom you know when i was moving in this depressed state and she basically said you got two choices. You either going to get your ass up and fight or you going to quit. But you going to decide right fucking now. That's how my mama talked to me at 18 years old. Uh-huh. Right? Shout out to Mary Lemons. And I, I just, I'm not a quitter, man. You know, I, I just don't believe in it. So I did. Fast forward, we go and have another surgery. And she comes in and she's rubbing on my leg. She's like, all right, so the doctors are telling me, da 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 you're going to have to do this type of surgery, right? And when she first came in, I didn't want to hear it. So they gave us morphine. And it was this button, this red button. Yeah, you saw the green light come yeah, on. Yeah, but so I just, I didn't know what it did. I just knew every time I hit it, I got sleepy and I didn't have to hear her talk because I wasn't trying to hear that <laughs> shit. So she would come in and I'd be like, all right, mom. Everybody wishes they had those sometimes. You know, the mom's just getting after you. You yeah, got a morphine button. I got a morphine button, but I didn't know that they stopped it. It was like, <laughs> like, they wouldn't let you get so much, right? And so she comes back and she's doing this again, right? Bro, the reason why I'm demonstrating yeah. is because I remember I couldn't feel anything. And and I was like, Mom. And she was like, What? What's wrong? Because she she didn't understand, like she was trying to figure out what was going on. I hadn't been yeah. talking and stuff like that. And tears started rolling down my face. She's like, baby, what's wrong? She's like to get the doctor. I was like, no, 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 no. Keep doing that. So she she was like, This? I was like, Yeah, keep doing that. She kept doing it. I said, Mom, I feel that. 
I feel that. That's awesome. And she ran and got the doctors, and then my healing process started. This is why I have so much respect for Mac. I had over 116 D1 scholarships. When I got hurt, damn near every last one of them pulled them, right? Mac said, we recruited you for the man that you are, not for the football aspect. So if you want to come to Texas, you got a scholarship waiting. So I was going to be able to go there regardless on full ride. Ended up coming back. That's when I switched my position. So I went full circle to give you how I got to tackle. Yeah, but how, how was that? I mean, that's an amazing story. Yeah, I mean, how, 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 how was that, though, like going from tight end to, it, to it, a lineman? It, I mean, that's a big jump. I mean, you're obviously a yeah. big guy. Yeah. But, I mean, to be the size of the lineman that these guys are, especially yeah. on the Steelers, I mean, yeah, it, you have some big boys. So the thing is, the transition was fun because, like, regular linemen, they have to – eat a certain way to lose weight. Right. I had to eat the game. So I was eating every goddamn thing that I came you across. Must, you must have been on the same thing because I went to school with Mike yeah. Williams, another guy y'all played with. Yep. Big Mike used to come and pick me up like this mm -hmm. in the hallway and I'm mm -hmm. like, man, Mike, come on, man. That ain't even funny. Yeah, man. But Mike was not as big as he was by the time he finished his first year at UT. Yeah. He came back. I mean, he'd grown like two more inches. Yep. He, he wasn't the chubby big guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, mean, he, he was, was starting nice. to get ripped up. So we by the had, time he graduated, I mean, he gets drafted by the Bills, and he ends up being like the second biggest man in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he was unbelievable. A big dude. Athletic. He was a monster. Yeah. Athletic, man. So Mad Dog, um, Jeff Madden, he's a, he just made the Hall of Fame, which for strength culture, shout out to Jay, to, to Mad Dog. Uh, man, he was very big into heavy lifting and explosive power. So a lot of the stuff yeah. we did was that. Dude, we had, bro, we had steaks, potatoes. I'm going to talk about, when we talk about steaks, bro, we're not talking about this, this the stuff you get at the, the HEB, bro. We're talking about, prime, you know, 100% premium beef. Yeah. Red McCombs used to take us as the team to his ranch, and we would be looking at the cows, and then they'd be on our plate. <laughs> so it was That's like. That's awesome. It was like we ate like kings, man, you know, and so. That I think you can you, you can contribute that to the way we worked out and the way our, our meal plans were, and that's how we got the size. So I went in at uh, two seventy five. I was I was a uh, two two hundred and seventy pound tight end when I got in. I moved to tackle. I put on twenty five pounds within six to seven months. I was two ninety five. I was the backup tackle behind Jonathan and uh, Justin Blaylock. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely, man. So, yeah, I mean, they, they, they did us right as it pertains to getting us strong and getting us explosive. Uh, man, we were some big boys, but we were big boys that could move. A lot of, they did well, I think. You Matt, had to with Vince behind yeah, you. Yeah, we had to move. We had to move, man. Uh, he, you know, but the beauty about Vince is that if there was, it, it made pass blocking uh, easier because you have to rush to contain. So if, if you have to rush as a defensive end to contain, that means that I'm always going to win because I know where you're going. You can't go inside. A, I had Casey Stuttered big ass inside to be able to <laughs> knock anybody out if they wanted to do that. So I always right. overset. And B, if you gave up inside, if you gave up outside containment to Vince, this is a six-five deer running down the sideline. You saw him. Yeah, you man. saw how he how he moved in college. He's one of oh. the greatest college quarterbacks of all that time. USC game. I, I said it last week. I mean, that's still to this day yeah. in my lifetime one mm -hmm. of the best college football games maybe even nfl games i have ever witnessed in my life mm -hmm. like that was just something that was absolutely poetic and beautiful even as not being a longhorn fan i mean 
That that was you're an honorary was. Longhorn fan. Yeah, you know, you know, they they make me say that since I moved to Texas. Because see, I didn't go to college. Okay. So not going to college, I I moved every three years growing up. Yeah. I went. I lived in a lot of really good college towns and mm-hmm. stuff like that, or very nearby. Mm-hmm. And I always supported the local teams. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I moved here in my soft into my sophomore year in '96 where. All of a sudden, it mattered. They were like, "Well, you can't be an OU and a Texas fan." I was like, "Yeah, I can." It's only they only play one time a year. You don't have that affiliation. And they're like, "Well, no, no, you can't." I was like, "Well, fine." I was born in Oklahoma. My grandfather was a Sooner fan, so I'll be a Sooner fan. But I mean, I live in a house divided. I mean, man, I have this god awful hat. My wife tries to bet me every time she thinks the Longhorns are going to win. She'll try to bet me, and it's that she gets to burn this hat. Yeah. I mean, I bought this thing when I was like 20, 21 years old. Yeah. It's a Gilligan bucket hat out of terry cloth. I mean, it looks like something NASCAR threw out. Yeah. And even a Sooner fan wouldn't wear it. But Longhorn fans hate it so much. Yeah. I hide it during the year until that game. Yeah. And then it's whether or not she feels bold enough to bet on burning the hat yeah. or whether or not she has to pay up. Well, I'll tell you what, you better not bet this year. That's uh, yeah, all. I think I'm going to have to keep that one uh, locked up for yeah. this year because I think we, it's going to be a close game. I think, we, I think so, one. too. I think so, too. Man, we took a tough loss last week with with, uh, with Texas Tech, man. But, you know, the, I look at it and I say, man, you know, we're dealing with a lot of injuries. You know, we're dealing with a bunch of young guys. I mean, three out of the five offensive linemen uh, that are starting the freshmen, and they're, they're doing, they're dogs. I love yeah. them. So I think that we're on the right track. We just got to learn how to win and how to finish games. Um, and then once we get uh, Ewers back, I think that it's going to be a different story because I don't know what the fuck it is with Alabama knocking out our starting quarterbacks, bro. I cannot. Like, bro, fuck. We just stop playing their ass, bro. I'll put the backup in I mean, first. at least you weren't like somebody that paid a team to come in and demolish that, you. That's I mean, true. Like- that's true. But I feel like let's reverse the strategy. When we play Alabama again, start the backup quarterback. Let them knock his ass out, and then let's put our starter in the game and see if maybe we can get a fucking starter. I still thank y'all for last year because (laughs) I was not a fan of Rattler. Yeah. And I kept saying, like, this kid's garbage. Like, the team's not behind him. Yeah. Like, he said so many things when he went out on whatever that you show was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, it was all about him. Yep. And those those linemen weren't going to back him up. I mean, you saw it. The minute they changed quarterback, I, I told my wife, I was like, this is a game changer right here. Y'all yeah. are in trouble now. Yeah. Because they're going to play for him. Yep. And sure enough, man, it was one of the greatest comebacks in our rivalry yeah, right man, there. It was crazy, man. I but that was, that was good to see. Well, let's get back to that. I, I mean, I kind of jumped off. We jumped off there a yeah, little bit. Good. But some of the coaches. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Whether it's, you know, Mike Tomlin. Personal fit. Yeah, yeah, Mike Tomlin. So when we get to Mike Tomlin, uh, obviously the standard is the standard. That's, that's, that's high. Uh, the one that I really love and I teach my kids today and I really uh, um, live my life by is no excuses, no explanations, only results, right? And as a man, you know, I, I really I really hone in on that um, because that, to me, I, so I've been studying uh, what it, the, uh, stoicism, right? Yeah. To be able to endure all the hardness but not show uh, emotion behind it, right? No matter what's going on, no matter what pain you're dealing with, you still stand up tall. And I truly believe that, you know, shoulders were meant to carry burdens, right? And so when you think about that statement, no excuses, no explanations, only results, at the end of the day, the latter two, the, 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 the first two don't matter, you know? Uh, the other one uh, is um, next man up. I really love that because that's a mentality to where if you're not the guy, you're, you're literally in my, my journey in the NFL, I was one play away from being a guy. 
on yeah. any team I played on because as a I was a starter for some teams, I was a backup for some teams, and as a backup you have to be engaged because you can you can first quarter, second quarter, and then third quarter, boom, starters out. You got to go. You got to get ready to go, and the expectation is for you to play just as well, if not better, uh-huh. <laughs> than the guy that's in front of you. You know because there's no drop off. That's the reason they pay you the money. There's no drop off. You got to be a professional. And so it's been those type of lessons that I've learned uh, from him as a Super Bowl, you know, winning coach. I like that you said stoicism too. I'm a big fan. Like I got asked this question on a podcast I was recently on about Mm. if I could go back to any point in time, what Mm. would I choose? Yeah. And I I said Marcus Aurelius time period because I'm just, I've been fascinated with that point in history and Stoicism is something that fascinates me as well. There's a lot of great lessons, I think, there They're, for they're, business and life. It is, and it is. And the, the thing is, is that you have to really, so I'm a history minor. So you have to really place yourself in that time period. How does one get that information? How do you get information to be able to pass down to people? Right. Just, Your experience. You would have had to have gone through some shit to sit back and say, hmm. And reflect on that. This is what I believe after going through all the shit that I've been through. So when you look at that time period, bro, it was crazy. Yeah, you know, obviously diseases were happening. Mm-hmm. You had ro- wars taking place. You, it was just a really crazy time, right? And I, I, I don't like to use the word bad time because who knows what is good and what is bad. Have you heard? Have you heard that proverb? Who knows what is good? Oh man. So there was a guy <clears throat> who had a son, and him and his son had a farm, right? Okay. And um, one day it was this beautiful horse that roamed into their farm and they were able to corral it and take it in and the whole town came out oh my god you guys have the the most beautiful horse this horse is going to be able to do all the work for you it was a strong buck you guys are you you guys are going to be wealthy and the old man said who knows what is good and what is bad but it was a wild horse so the next the next time the son went out to tame the horse and while he was trying to tame the horse and break it in and ride it he fell off the horse and broke his leg and the townspeople came out to console the old man. Oh, my gosh, this is your only son. How are you going to be able to maintain the farm? You know, you're too old to do the horse. You know, and he broke his leg. What are you going to do? This is, this is so bad. The old man said, who knows what is good and what is bad. The next month later, a war broke out. And they were taking all the sons in the villages. And so when they came to the old man's house to get his son, he had a broken leg. Broken leg. And so the townspeople came out and said, oh, my God, you're so lucky. Our sons are gone. Your son, because of his leg, wasn't able to go to war. He's going to be safe. You know what the old man said? Who knows what's good and bad. You just got to let life happen. Yeah. Bro. You got to let life happen, bro. And I, I truly believe that. And I feel like that is a huge lesson on what stoicism is. Being able not only to endure hardships, but allowing life to take its course and to, and to stay consistent on that ride you know I think that if a lot of us did that if a lot of men did that there are a lot of problems that we have in our life will go away because how many times have we made decisions based off our emotions a lot that's probably <laughs> one of the hardest things to not do yeah in the heat of the moment to not yeah. to not let yourself go there mm-hmm. and to sit back and reflect on it before saying something or reacting mm-hmm. well I don't want to just talk about football because you have a lot of other passions. Yeah, we're here, man. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, like, I could talk to you about football all day long. I mean, we've said and had a lot of great conversations about football. Um, 
But you also are the owner of Stat Financial Services. Absolutely. Yeah. And a big thing to you, um, and this seems to be really common. I don't know if it's just the former players that I happen to know yeah. or what, but man, so many of you are very driven and like you've, I mean, I don't know if it's just because of, and I'm sure you're going to have a really good answer for this. Mm-hmm. I can already see the wheels turning, but you know, was it the lack of what y'all were taught growing up yeah. or how you were treated once you became an NFL player? Combination of both, maybe. I don't know. But, like, several of you are, like, really, really strongly committed to educating yes. others, not just athletes, yes. but others on financial wealth and financial education. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a couple of things. Well, to answer your question, I'll start there. It's, it's actually both. And so when you talk about from an athlete's perspective, when you realize that about 87% of athletes that retire from that three and a half years average, um, they have accumulated, even from the practice squad up, over $3 million right. easily, right? Or made $3 million. Now, what they net, that is what it is. And so when you look at that and you see that 87% of those in two to 12 years are either in a financial crunch or they're completely bankrupt, you know something's wrong, right? Yep. And so being in the NFL and seeing, you know, because I, I didn't come from money. So being able to see, like I know guys that, that were playing and living check to check and their checks were like three, four $400,000 a week, uh, every two weeks. It's crazy. Right. And it's just because we don't understand how money works. So for me, I always was somebody that would talk to, you know, the financial department or talk to people that were doing investments because I didn't know about any of this. Stuff. Right. So I always found it fascinating. And if I could go back and change my major, it would be in the finance and business. Now, it just so happened it became in learning and applied development. So I would joke with people and say, I actually went to school to learn how to learn. It, it's bode well for me well, now. History taught you a lot, too. It I mean, did. that's a good foundation, I feel like, either way. It is. It is. Because, you're, because you know, now I'm, I'm the guy that <laughs> I'm the guy that's up at 10 o'clock at night looking, uh, typing in, how did 19, the 1929 stock market crash take place? I want to know. Right, because history repeats itself. And when you start to see what's going on financially, you can see what's coming. And I think that if you're able to see what's coming, you can prepare for it, right? If I'm walking across the street and I look both ways, oh shit, there's a car coming, let me stop. If I walk across the street and I'm just minding my own business and not looking anywhere, I'm getting my ass knocked out, right? Right. And I feel like that's the same way when we talk about finance. So my my commitment and my goal is to be able to educate. I say we, our company is eliminating the fear of financial worry from the minds of the masses. And how we do that is we teach a concept called financial foundational leverage. And I can go into that later, but the reality of the situation is there are systems that the wealthy have in place and they live on a different set of rules than 99% of us do. Right. Right. And if you're able to mm-hmm. understand the game, a lot of us are playing checkers when the game is really chess. And so when you're able to understand the game, right, or if they're put, putting a game in front of you and it's a, it's the, you, you have the wrong game and the wrong pieces, I mean, fucking swipe the board and let's play the right Start game. Start over. Yeah. yeah, let's play the game. Let's get right? a new set of rules. Exactly. So that's what, that's what we're doing. And I think why you see a lot of athletes pushing this is because, to, to be quite frankly, in my opinion, I think the NBA really started it. The NBA really started the whole, you know, the name, image, and likeness. You started seeing a lot of those guys... Uh, brand themselves, and it started with that brand. Right. 
right? Brandon. I mean, was Jordan. Huge. I mean, it started all the way back to Jordan at exactly. least. I mean, exactly. That NFL wasn't really doing that, and now you see these younger guys that are in these positions that are starting to do that more. So now, when we talk about financial education, you have to realize, like, this goes back, man, like, like at least a century. Like, there's a there's a running joke that said if Benjamin Franklin was to come out of the grave, he wouldn't recognize anything in the world but the school system. That is for a reason. Like, they don't teach you about financial uh, literacy and financial education in school because they need to continue to create workers. Right. right? And if everybody knew that the tax code, if it was from floor to ceiling, about your ankle height is about how to pay taxes. The rest of that book is about how to avoid them because tax avoidance is actually encouraged. There's IRS tax codes that literally are in the book to show you how to avoid taxes and defer them in perpetuity or forever. You just got to be willing to search it out and gain well, that knowledge. But it's hard to do that. Yeah, because it's not easily accessible. It's a lot well, of no, buried no, no. into... It, it is actually easily, easily accessible. But you know what else is easily accessible? Super Bowl, Super Bowl Sunday. Championship Monday. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh uh the BET Awards. Yeah. <laughs> right? The all of, uh, Yeah, you have all these different distractions. The stock market is going crazy. Who cares about the stock market? I don't my thing is this. I I, I dibble and dabble in the stock market, but not with my own money. Um, but I'm not putting a lot of money into a product that I know that has consistently been proven to be manipulated. That doesn't right. make sense to me. Right? So if I understand these things, then I need to spend my time studying on what are the rules to the game that Buffett plays. Right. What are the rules to the game, and we can go all the way to that Ray Kroc plays. What are the rules to the game that a Melvin Nunnery plays, right? Um, all, of these, all of these different players that have built their wealth, because when you look at it statistically, I think they say about 70 to 80% of millionaires did not come from wealth. I'm just really glad you haven't, and maybe you have. If you have, I don't know about it because I try to do my research. Mm -hmm. I'm just really glad you haven't written a book yet. Because mm -mm. when I found out Jay Scott had written a book with somebody, yeah. I read that book in one day. And that's yeah. probably the first time I've read a book of any size. Like Usually I digest like a chapter, mm -hmm. and I have to take notes, really mm -hmm. digest it, and then I'll keep moving on. Because I don't really read for personal enjoyment a whole lot. Like, mm -hmm. I want to learn something. I'll yeah. get something I gain from it. That's why I started this podcast. Because, yeah. you know, these conversations that I have with people back here at the lounge or yeah. just in my profession, I felt like others could gain from and that they could learn stuff. So that's really the whole reason I started this. Let me ask you this. What do you think the majority of your audience is made out of? Would you say it's the common man? Would you say that it's the, uh, the, uh, the sports enthusiast? Like, what, what would your, what your market be? To I think it's teach? pretty wide open right now. I mean, this is the third episode. Mm -hmm. um, mm. So I really don't have a lot of data to tell me yet. So let's talk to them all. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think you've got a wide variety. I mean, you're going to have people from... You know, the demographic is, if I had to guess from what I've seen so far, is about 25 to 65. Love it. With a big group in the 30 to 45 Love it. range right there. Okay. So, I mean, you're going to have people from all aspects of that. Yeah. Okay. So, from the, the 25, we'll go, if you're 25 to 30, we're talking about books. Let's go Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Let's go uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. 
Great. Um, for the, uh, the the black community, I want to speak to them. Let's go to um, the Black Tax by uh, Rochester. If you're 30 to 45, let's go Grunch of Giants by uh, uh, R. Buckminster. I've not read that one. That's yet. a great book. Um, we can go into uh, uh, Nelson Nash, What Would the Rockefellers Do? Uh, that's a good one. And I forgot if the 65-year-olds, it's that's, that's a, that's a book called... Um, I forgot who wrote it, but it's dealing with uh, um, the retirement tax. I'd have to get that and send it over. We can maybe drop it in the comments. But there's so many books that are available. For the 65-year-olds that have money, you want to know one of the things that they deal with? What's that? If they don't have an heir to pass it to and they're needing to get on Medicaid because they're getting ready to hit that space, right? they start to sell off their wealth. They have to diminish their wealth to be able to qualify for the Medicaid. But there's actually a system for them to be able to put their wealth into a particular trust. Now the trust owns it. So when the IRS or, or the, uh, the, the Medicaid people go back and look into their finance, they can't find anything which qualifies them for Medicaid. So you can uh. figure out how to pass your wealth down or who you want to pass it to or if you just want to have the trust have a foundational situation set up. Man, there's so many ways for the 25 Okay, so that just made me think something. Talk to me, because I'll, so I'll run. I don't have kids. Okay, I mean, I'll I have run. lots of nieces and nephews. I know you have three kids. I got four. Oh, you got four now? Yeah, I got my daughter, man. I can't ah. forget my princess. That's, that's the last of the, the that's Mohicans. It? That's right it? Now. Yeah. We're calling it quits? Four? I don't know if I'm going to call it quits, but we're going to take a hiatus. All right, hiatus. <laughs> All right. If you could give your kids and you could leave them with one piece of financial advice, mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. What what would you leave them with? Don't do what the don't uh, don't do what the wealthy say to do. Do what the wealthy do. I like that. That's I like what that. I would tell them. The wealthy like gonna that. tell you all types of stuff. Why? Because I don't want you to get up here. Yeah. Right. Now, not all of them. Some of the most generous people that I've met are millionaires, billionaires. But you have some people that really just don't want that pie to be shared. Shared. <laughs> so, Understandable. Right? I mean, that's unfortunate. But yeah, I mean, that's. Mm -hmm. A lot of opportunity for you to educate there. It is. I love, man, listen, that's what I, that's what I live for, man. Like, when you bring value to people, then the, the sales will come. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm in a situation where I'm in a kind of niche, niche market, niche market. And so I don't need to have a, a lot of value. I, I like more quality over quantity. But I definitely want to educate in a quantitative matter, right? And that's why, um, uh, and I appreciate you. Um, you know, liking the post, but that's why I started the Legacy Blueprint on Facebook. Yeah. That whole thing is about being able to pump as much free financial information with strategy to people because the thing is, you can go on YouTube and you're going to hear a million people talk. Yeah. Do this, do that, do this with your money, do this, do that. At the end of the day, there's a lot of different strategies um, because I'm a competitive person. I believe that uh, we have the best one. Right. Because what we teach is how to capitalize your your principal and then leverage OPM or other people's money to live your lifestyle. This is the thing that I've seen. Majority of people live on a system that deals with input and output. Right. You go to work, you have a business, whatever. Money comes into your world and money leaves. But what I've found out from the from the wealthy people and they probably not going to like me giving away their secret, but. They never spend their own money. 
So money comes into their world. They warehouse it or capitalize it, leverages it, leverage it for other people's money, and then they go spend it the same way that we do. And I think a lot of people, too, yeah. uh, I mean, I can speak for myself, mm-hmm. too, is something I've grasped recently, and I think it was from Jonathan's book. Mm. Pay yourself. Mm. Like, so many people... Mm. I mean, you work so hard for mm-hmm. a paycheck yep. and you earn this money. Yep. Miss that you light bill to pay yourself. You spend that money yeah. and you pay your bills mm-hmm. and you do all these things, but you don't actually pay yourself like yeah, forward. Like, miss, that, miss that light bill pay to pay yourself. yourself forward a little bit. You can sleep in the dark and get candles. I mean, at the mm-hmm. end of the day, because the thing is you got to look at it. Like, say you missed the payment, right? And you, you decided to say, you know what? I'm going to take this money. I'm going to put it back. I don't care what happens. Well, if you paid it and you were short and you missed the next month and you weren't able to pay it, guess what? The same results are going to happen. So I might as well keep it for myself. And that's one of the things uh, I believe it was. Yeah, it might have been one of the things that happened in Rich Dad Poor Dad. That's what he talked about. Like, hey, we were willing to we were willing to suffer the consequences to pay ourselves. And you see where he is, where where he is at now. The 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 lie that I believe that the the government pushes is we talk about debt. Right. Get out of debt. Get out of debt. Get out of debt. The irony behind that is that this country is trillions of dollars in debt. Right. The currency that we use is actually a debt instrument. So then if that's the case, then it would behoove me to understand, Okay, if we're in debt as a country, we use an instrument that's dealing with debt, then I probably just need to figure out what kind of debt makes me money as opposed to what kind of debt loses me money. And if we can figure that out and switch Ooh, I like that. that right there. It'll make what kind of debt makes me money? Yeah, right. The easiest, go, the easiest go-to is real estate. Yeah. And what was it? I think it might have been Grant Cardone that, that talked about when he went bankrupt the first time and the banks were coming for him. The mistake that he made was he didn't take enough, he didn't borrow enough money. Because when you only borrow 500000 to a million dollars, and you can't pay that back, dude, you got a problem. But if I borrow $500 million to, a, to $600 million, then the bank has a problem, right? Yeah, they're going to do everything in the world. Now I have a business sure partner. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> right? yeah, you got somebody signed up for life there. So we got to think bigger. We have to think bigger. And this is the thing. That's for people that have maybe, you know, huge aspirations. They want to be, you know, and I don't like to use the word filthy rich, but want to be uh, sustainably rich, wealthy. Right. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is, when I look at it and I and I've talked to, you know, a lot of different wealthy people, six, seven, eight figure, nine figure earners. You know what it is about them, man, especially on the golf course. That's where that's where they go. I found them. Guys, yeah. I found them. They're at the golf course. You go to Top Golf. go to the driving range, work on your swing. You're going to go over there and find them at the golf you, course. So you're getting pretty salty at golf, too. Man, I'm, I'm about to. I'm about okay. to. If I get these shoulders right, you know, these okay. I got some labrum tears. Yeah. I got I to gotta figure it out on my swing. But, <laughs> but, you know, I'm just out there having a good time. But I will say that what, I, what I've seen is that when you talk to them, and they really tell you this, and, and, and as somebody that's trying to come up, you might listen to it and be like, yeah, that's because you have the money. But no, really, for them, it was never about the money. It was about the freedom of choice and then time freedom. Exactly. That's why they Time wanted. freedom is crucial, I think. I'll, I'll share a story with you, man. There was a guy who was talking about his family and his come up and everything like that, and um, he told his story of a child that... He had a father, and, and the father really loved him. He was his only child. He did everything with him. It was like his best friend. 
And so as he's going through this story, he talks about how his child was raised, how the father made sure he had all the, you know, the nutritional things that he needed because he, he, had, he had some money. Right. And, um, you know, some things happen. The father loses the money and then the child gets sick. And so now what happens is as the child is getting sick, the father is starting to come back on the rise. And so now the child gets so sick that there's only one operation that can literally save that child's life. And so as we're sitting there like, damn, did the child make it? Did the, did the son make it? And we're looking at the story. He flips the picture, and the man is him, and the child is his own. And the child is alive. And he said it was money that saved my child's life. So we got to start looking. We, we got to start having a different relationship. We have to start looking at it like, oh, you know, money doesn't make you happy. Well, neither does being broke. So if I'm going to be unhappy, sure. I might as well be unhappy with money. Yeah. Let, let's change the thought process because that thought process is great for the government. And see, I like this approach, and I'm glad you're sharing all this because Absolutely. so many financial guys, and I'm, I'm not dogging this, and I know it has its place in time, too, because yeah. I know you're a big proponent of this, too, when it fits right. Correct. So many financial people will just sit here and talk to you about, oh, well, you need life insurance. Yeah. And life insurance can be portrayed by a lot as just like, the, you know, when I die, here's the money. Correct. And what I'm learning as I'm educating myself on this is there's a lot of other applications for life insurance. Absolutely. Now, the healthier you are, yes, it behooves you to be healthier. Correct. And to do the right things yeah. because then you're going to pay less. Yeah. But it is not just a life and death thing here. No. And it's not just covering your funeral expenses and stuff. Mm -hmm. There's actually several tools. Yeah. But maybe you can talk to that a little bit. Because I know there's a lot of people, I mean, myself included, mm -hmm. I've got, you know, hey, I know three or four of you guys that all do this. Yeah. I've got two or three other people I know. And I've got some guys I've worked with for a long time. Yeah. And every time they bring that up, there's very few that can bring it up and not make you cringe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, they instantly make you think it is just life death is or coming. death. Danger's coming. We Winter gotta get to life insurance. You know, like let's do this right yeah. now. And it's like, yeah. But the art of explaining, correct, That's how educated. it can be a tool. Yes, and that it's a multifaceted tool, Absolutely. and not just this one-way street of life and death. If you look at creating wealth, and you talk about portfolios, I always the way. So I tell people all the time, I'm a wealth strategist. I'm not a life insurance agent. You have to understand the difference. So a lot of those guys come from systems that are kind of MLM-ish, right? And, and to, be, yeah. to be quite frank with you, all businesses were, operate this way, right? But the thing is, is that they're always pushing one particular product. The thing for me is because I didn't grow up in the industry. Now, I love the industry. But I didn't grow up in the industry, so I'm unbiased. Right. Right. I'm going to use whichever tool I need to use to help my client. So what I do is I don't write life insurance for the death benefit because that's what everybody's talking about. Yeah. I write it for the cash value. So what I'm saying is, and this is the whole Nelson Nash bank on yourself, you should get that. And then also, that was, I'm glad I came back to this. And then uh, What Would the Rockefellers Do by Nelson Nash? Those two books give you some understanding on how you can leverage uh, life insurance. But the strategy is simply this. If you make $70,000 a year, okay. right, and you are able to put your monthly income into a cash value policy, right, and let's just say that cash value policy earns you five, let's just say five, five percent. Okay. 
you're already making more than you're going to make in the banks. Now, the thing that they this, this is where life insurance agents get it get it mixed up with a lot of individuals because they're saying, OK, well, I don't have the extra income at the end of the month. Well, the thing is, you can borrow against that cash value. So if I'm making five thousand dollars. Right. And let's say I got a credit card and the credit yeah. card has a limit of three grand. What bills can I pay for the three grand? Right. Great. I'm going to put these bills on the credit card. I'm going to put $3,000 into my cash value, let it, uh, uh, let it be credited to the cash value aspect, and then I'm going to take a policy loan against it and then pay off the credit card. But what's going to happen is by the end of the year, almost half of your income would have flowed through this policy, and now you're getting $36,000 at a 5% return. So you're going to get a check off of that even though you spent all that money. That's the goal. The goal is to understand what strategies can I put in place. Now, this is the beautiful thing. It doesn't, for, for how, we, how we work, it doesn't matter what the client makes. We can do this with 50 bucks a month. Now, it's, it's going to bring a lower return, right. but it's better than nothing. And, you still, and now the thing is, is that we use this as what's called a banking policy because we're, we're, we're using it as, we're, we're, we're removing the banks and we're putting ourselves where the bank is at. The banks do this, by the way. If, if, you're, if your viewers are listening, look up BOLI, B-O-L-I, Bank Only Life Insurance Contracts. They actually take y'all money, because I don't use banks like that, <laughs> but they actually take money from the consumer, put it into the market, and then they insure it. So if their bank falls, then the insurance can pay all the patrons out. But then they go They're and make trillions of dollars yeah. on your money, and they pay you less than a percent. So we're saying remove the bank, put yourself there, and now you pay yourself that 5%. Or that 10. Or so 11. let's pause because we're at about the hour mark. I right like here. it. Let's do it. Let's tell people in case any of you fall off and aren't intrigued with this conversation. Yeah, here. I, don't I don't know, know how. how that could be. I happening. don't either. I just gave y'all games. What if people want to like reach out or find you or work with you? Hmm. Like where, where, where do they find you, Tony? Industrial cigars right over here. Yeah, now. we're, we're here right now. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. can come find us right now. <laughs> no, uh, shout out to Dave. That's free pub, Dave. I want to get in here whenever I need to, man. <laughs> uh, and I got to go to your garage. No, um, so you can you can find me. I want to go to Dave's garage, I'm going too. to Dave's garage. I already told him. I, I saw mean, him. Dave, Dave, I've heard all kinds of stories. I'm up here all the time. I yeah. mean, my wife gives me hell all the time. So yeah. you're up there four or five nights a week. Yep, yeah, because uh, uh, this I'm is like, what I said. But this is, this is part of my family up here, you man. know? Like, I mean, they've created this atmosphere we're doing men stuff it's amazing <laughs> we're up here doing man stuff but no stat financial so s-t-a-t-t financial.info is my website people can connect with me there uh also on uh I'm, I'm on usually i'm on all platforms but the two that i'm mostly on is instagram and facebook so you can find me at uh tony the tycoon on instagram and then like i said i'll send them to my group my group is a uh, legacy blueprint the Legacy Blueprint on Facebook. That's I want a new everybody. one. Y'all need to get in on yeah, that. He might decide to close that down or something. No, like, hey, you no. can keep it open. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you, he posts some really good stuff. I mean, aside from his workout pictures, mm. I mean, <laughs> he does post a lot of that on there, too. Mm. Yeah, you got to keep yourself healthy as we're smoking cigars and drinking liquor. Yeah. But um, balance it out, right? It's all yeah. about balance. But I mean, no, how are you liking this? Man, I mean, this is freaking... That, you asked for Eliza Craig. That's my, that's my thing, man. You know, we got the private barrel here, man. And this is one of my buddy's groups. They're called The Locals. It's probably my favorite group to mm. be a part of. Between them and Someone Say Whiskey, you know, that's, yeah. those are my two right there. This is their recent pick they did. Nice. Shout um, out to Someone Say Whiskey, man. I'm gonna definitely a part of that group. 
what yeah. Rodney and those those guys got going on. My yeah, man Randy. Guys. Yeah, man. I, they're, they're doing their thing, man. Yeah, I went to high school with Randy. You did? And his wife. Man. I mean, more his wife because Randy's a little bit older than me. Randy, you're but, old. You yeah, look good old. for your he's old, old age. He's old, but he's Randy ripped and buff and yeah, tough. Yeah, he, and, he, he lifts a yeah. lot of goddamn weight. I'll tell you that much. But no, uh, that's where they can find me. So statfinancial.info, Tony the Tycoon on IG, and then the Legacy Blueprint. Because from there, they'll be able to float all the other platforms. You know, I'm actually going to start a YouTube channel. Where I'm going to be. I wish you people. the most luck with that. Man, Out of yeah. this journey of starting a podcast, mm-hmm. I'm telling you right now, that has been the toughest part of this. I don't. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not. The Even one if you have people doing it for you, I'm telling yeah. you, every time you click on, I set this up three months ago, yeah. minimum. Yeah. I've had to put in all kinds of verifications. Yeah. They wanted my driver's license, yeah. all this stuff, to be able to go live. Yeah. Did all that. Yep. Before the first week. Then yep. they said, well, that's going to take 24 hours. I'm fine with Couldn't it. Couldn't go live. Yep. Then last week, we did the same thing. Then the, we had the live button, clicked it, didn't, didn't work. work. <laughs> they actually put a timer, yeah. like, you know, 24 hour yeah. on it once we clicked it. Yeah. And then it was like, we can't go live. I can actually post there now, though. Yeah. So, like, even though I know I said today yep. we would be live on YouTube again. Yep. Sorry, folks. YouTube. Did not allow us to do that again with the platforms and everything. So this will be posted to our YouTube channel and Spotify and iTunes and all that like we've been setting up. Yeah. But, yeah, YouTube, bro. It's a beast, man. You'd think they'd make it a lot easier for you to get your stuff out there and participate in their platform. I don't understand. So one of my my executive uh, assistants, she's also our chief uh, media officer. I don't understand that world. I have a team, man. I come from a team background. I'm going to do, I'm going to play to my strengths, right? That's exactly what I'm I'm a great tackle. I'm a good guard. I want to play tackle. Right, so yeah. so I'm gonna put those in strength uh, to handle that. And the you thing don't ever is, have a desire to play tight ends. No, man, no, no tight ends. I like hitting people. I don't. I no longer want to be hit. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I'm I can, good. I can, I can understand yeah, that. Yeah. So I let I let the team handle that. And the thing is, I'm what I, with what I'm building. I, I remove um, instant gratification. I, I flock towards delayed gratification. So if it takes a little while. We have all the other platforms. When it gets set up, it's set up, and then we can flow it. So I'm cool with it. But I appreciate that knowledge. That'll let me know. I'm just telling you, man. Like, because you know, I, I try to do this. Like, this literally started off with me having. I, I write a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm either all in or all out on it. I'm not as consistent as I'd like to be. My father got me started on this Franklin Planner when I was like 16. When I got my first C. Nice. Because he was a Franklin Planner instructor for the RTC and That's FDIC. His thing. And he got me honest, man. I carried that big ass book around with me forever, <laughs> planning my whole life out. You know, like day How to day. how's that going? It, it's pretty good. I mean, but I got to get back into that routine a little bit. There, write the vision and make it. Writing plan. it, writing it. Write the you know, vision and make you it. Write plan. something down. It just has this ability to stick more. Yeah. And I'm trying to do that more. But when I when I looked back on the ideas around this, I, I first started out thinking I was gonna have a blog because. I wanted to, you know, bridge the gap between my job where I sell construction yep. and the project management portion and getting the owners and managers engaged in more conversation conversation because we always talk about like, well, 
I want to know what they're thinking on the other side. Yeah. You know, like, how's that meeting go down? Like, why did they make this decision? Yeah. And it started out like that, but I could not commit to, like, man, writing a blog yeah. and putting something there every week yeah. didn't stick. I wasn't passionate about it. Yeah. I could not get into that. And then when I got into some of these podcasts, I was like, okay, I really enjoy this. I think it's a great platform. I love talking to people. Yep. And... I have been fortunate enough to meet a lot of really great people that are from a lot of different backgrounds, backgrounds yeah. to where I feel like if I put this out there and people are able to gravitate towards it, somebody's going to learn something from this. Cause like, yeah. these are great conversations and like, I don't want to have the conversation where it's just a straight up interview. Like, yeah. I mean, I can sit here and talk to you about football all day, yeah. but I don't want to just talk to you about football. Yeah. You've done a million interviews about football, yeah. but like you're, you're doing things now in your second career mm. and you're putting these things out there and these are great conversations to have yeah so i did the same thing you know shout out to my producer biz yeah who man had us completely on time today yeah, he did. although y'all will argue with me about that because i said six i'm gonna have to start saying six ish yeah because like the ish <laughs> always happens yep. like it's impossible yeah but you know Build the team. You're like I, I don't know squat about yeah. all these platforms. Yeah, like man. I thought I knew about social media oh. until I started doing this. But people thought, go to school for that. Yeah, I thought yeah. I knew about hashtags and how important they were, but mm. they're way more important than I ever thought they were. <laughs> I mean, like they drive the Google search engines. Yeah. So like learning this and putting myself around all these other great people that have been doing that yeah. is helping me tremendously with yeah, this. So. You, yeah, you talk about the SEO systems um, and, and algorithms and all of those particular things. I'm learning those things. Uh, still will never do those Which things. Which is harder, the financial it, stuff or that? That. Yeah. that. And, I, and, and I'm going to tell you yeah. because that is not a passion. Yeah, that is that is that that is a nuisance. So anything that's a nuisance, I put the people that love it as a passion in, yeah. in play of that. Um, but yeah, man, no, I think I think the platform is, is going to continue to grow, going to continue to expand. I definitely encourage people to like, share, you know, uh, let other people know about what's going on. I yeah, likewise, we'll put that on our on our platform when we have the videos and everything out. Um, you know, at the end of the day, man, and it's crazy because we're talking about passion. I, I heard uh, Gary V. Um, he he went against the whole thing about where people think about, man, just make the money first and find your passion later. And I, I kind of agree with Gary when he says, no, find your passion and find a way to turn it into income. I like that thought process because when you're passionate about something, like when I wake up, man, nobody has to tell me, hey, man, go read this 643 page book about trust. Nobody yeah. has to tell me that. Like, I love that. Yeah. I want to know. Because I feel like, listen, I got the, this is the cheat code. Yeah. And if you ever played Super Contra, up, down, up, down, left, left, right, 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 select, select, select start. start, A, B, A, B, select, start. <laughs> if you understand that and you, you, like, that's the wormhole. People want to get to wealth. Well, if you want to get to there just a little bit faster, like, if you think about a wormhole, right, we could be standing on this side right now. Yeah. Right. And if we want to get to the other side of this building, we'd have to get up, walk around, go through a couple of doors, walk around some people. But if there was a wormhole and a suction that pulled us through, we would be able to walk straight through that wormhole and get there like that. Right. That's the way that you can get to wealth when you know how the path is already laid out. But you have to educate yourself. Like, you definitely and, it's, do. and it's the desire. Yeah. And the want to. Well, like a lot of people like don't know which way to turn. Yeah. Like, you know, like. They want it, but they don't know what their passion is. I mean, I, I can personally say I struggle. 
what is my passion? What yeah. am I passionate about? Yeah. And you know, it's t- you know, I'm 42 years old. Yeah. Still trying to figure that out. Yeah. But you know, it's like when this started hitting for me, all right, let's roll with it. Let's yep. see what it turns into. Kind of the Gary V mentality. Yeah. Of, you know, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe this is just a fun hobby. Maybe this turns into something. Don't know, don't care. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to put out the best content that I think I can put out. Yeah. And learn what I can learn along the way with great people like you on my side. Appreciate you know, it, sitting here and being able to talk about stuff like this. Yeah, man. I, you know, it's, it's really about, I think that if more, you know what I don't think people do a lot, my opinion. I don't think people self-reflect. I don't think people sit back and meditate and think about what's going on in their life currently. What went on in the past to get them to where they're at? I think that's another one of those scary words. I think people, yeah. when you say meditate, yeah. they just think of the Buddhist Zen yeah, there that, they, that you have to do this whole process. Yeah, that's not and it. And you can't just sit back and reflect. That's you can't sit back, enjoy a cigar, yeah. have a drink, yeah. and take the personal time to reflect. Just like take the personal time to pay yourself. This, this, this right here, more than anything... When, when, you have, when you have one of these by yourself, the reason why I got into cigars, and, I, and I'm a rookie in the game, and it feels good to be a rookie again. Right. But the reason why I got into cigars is because I started realizing this is a commitment. Like, if you say to yourself, I'm going to smoke a stick. Yeah. Like, you're going to sit down. You're going to get your drink. You're going to get your pour. You're going to get in somewhere comfortable. And, like, you're going to sit back and you're going to really reflect on life. And For at least an hour. At least. A minimum of an hour. That's at an least. hour commitment at the minimum. I, I love when, my, when the wife is in bed, the kids are in bed, and I go and I spark, spark up a nice cigar, and I'm on the patio, and I'm in my, my favorite little comfy chair, Man, and I'm just strategizing and just thinking about life. I think about one of the things that I wish I would have done that I didn't do when I played is I, I did I did a little bit in the big moments, which I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for. I'm glad God gave me that insight. But man, I didn't reflect enough on the journey. And one of the things going back to Mike Tomlin that he used to say is that it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. Here's another here's another thing that I love that he taught me. He said that we have, and this is from a poem, but he says we have miles to go before we sleep and miles to go before we sleep. And if you really think about what that means, you'll slow down. You'll stop rushing. America really is into the rush life. When you leave this country and you go to other places, for instance, I was a 14-year-old kid when I first left the country. I went to uh, Barcelona. Good, you're bringing up travel. This yeah, is somewhere man. I wanted to go and let's talk go. About let's with talk you. about. It. Let's travel. So I, I, I went to Barcelona. I went to Spain when I was 14. I was on the Junior Olympics. That is one of my first of all. That is one of the first places I ever got to travel to outside the U.S. Just in the last seven years. Yeah, Spain. I've said to my wife numerous times. If I can make the same amount of money I make right now. Yeah. And I guess I need to make this a goal. Yeah. You could throw me in Barcelona yeah. or Madrid. Yeah. And my wife spent some time there in college. Yeah. But uh, I can go there because they got to figure it out. Yeah. They work enough to live. Yeah. They don't live to work. And they take the proper holidays. You don't see the stress factor yep. walking through the streets yep. or anything. Like, yep. it is a beautiful, beautiful place yep. where you can sit back and really enjoy things. So, I love that you brought up Spain. I got a story about I can't believe that. you got to go there at 14. That's yeah. amazing. So, what it was was the Junior Olympics. 
I got to I got to play ball for and represent the United States in the Junior Olympics. So we went to Barcelona, Valencia, and Madrid. And when I was fourteen, this is like dream team time, right? Yeah, man. This was yeah. This was in ninety nine, two thousand. And so what I what I um, what I got to experience and witness, you know, is I saw kids that didn't have shoes. You know, I saw kids with dirty hair, their teeth were kind of messed up, but bro, they were having the time of their life playing soccer in the streets, kicking me the ball, yeah. speaking a language that I don't understand. Here's a, here's a, here's a little sidebar. Uh, so my assistant, right, Alicia, she's Puerto Rican and she don't speak Spanish. So I don't know if that's a thing. She sounded and, like and, she was speaking Spanish and, last week when I was talking to her. I'm gonna throw that might, out there. She might have been on one of the weather. She might have been on Elijah Craig. But I, 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 uh, uh, so I thought that I'm just joking with her. I appreciate you, Alicia. All that you do. I yeah, she was you. a little under the weather last week yeah, when I first was. took that call with her, yeah. and I was, I was giving her a little hard time when yeah. I talked to her. The second time, I was like, "Man, I didn't know Tony had a man for an assistant." Yeah, you know? like, man. You know, like the first time she called back, she's like, I'm sorry. I can't talk. You know? <laughs> she is. Yeah, she is. I, I, I needed that laugh. I'm going to set up the meeting. Yeah. yeah. No, Wait, but you want another yeah, meeting? Yeah, you okay. already have a meeting. You have a meeting set up. No, yeah, no. I mess with her. I got to give her a hard mm-hmm. time. But she does a lot. She does a lot for, for the company. She does well for you. Yeah, yeah, she does. She does well for us, man. We got a team, so I'm appreciative. But, yeah. but, what I, but I went out there and I saw these kids enjoying life. And so when I came back and I looked at my surroundings and saw how everybody was living, man, I think that that was a pivotal shout out to my boy Ryan Clark with the pivot. But that was a pivot for me. I realized that life could be. It was a couple of people. My uncle, uh, uh, Santana Dyson, he played with the Green Bay Packers, Brett Favre, um, you know, William Henderson, Dorsey Levins, all those guys. Right. Antonio Freeman, Donald Driver, all of them. Shout out to D Driver. Um, but I got to. I got, and this is why vision, visualizing and, and, and being able to see other people's success and not hate on it, right. but to actually look at it and say, man, I can do that. I can, I can be in that vicinity. I saw that at 14, 15 years old. So when I came back, my mindset and my mentality was different because I left. So I encourage everybody to travel. Get a different perspective on life. America's, the media is like, it, it, it boxes us in. It'd be like us living in this bubble and yeah. all we are able to see is this microphone. Right. Meanwhile, outside of this bubble, we got dinner, cigar plates and, yeah. and, and, and whiskey uh, 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 glasses and, and, and change on the table, is, is equipment. There's so much to see yeah. when you're able to take the blinders so, so off. So what, what, is, what is something you thought you really understood or maybe that you had a grasp on that in through travel changed your opinion about that or that like totally changed the I, way you looked at something? I grew up in A-Leaf, Texas, which is... Uh, uh, um, known as, as the SWAT, Southwest A-Leaf, Texas, is the southwest side of Houston, Texas. And I was always told by the OGs, is this, is, this, is, this is life. Like, police officers harassing you, uh, your, your friends dying, gangs. This is what it is. You got to learn how to cope with it. And so that's all I knew. I didn't subscribe to it, but that's what I thought it was, Right. Well, you thought that's the end. That's the end game, right? Yeah, there. I'm like either that, gonna be in the gang yeah. or I'm gonna do something that I'm not supposed to do. Like, and even though my mom told me certain things, it was like I had never seen it. When I left the country, and I saw how those kids were living, but then I also saw success there too. Yeah, it's like, man, that's a lie, bro. Like, that's not that's not my destiny. That might be what you subscribe to, what yeah. you believe, but I've seen you want to stay in this. Yeah. Yeah. And not get yeah. out. Like, yeah. 
my youth pastor taught me this when I was when I used to go to church. He said that listen. In life, you can either change your friends. It's funny, we got change on the table. You can either change your friends or change your friends. And since you can't change your friends, you might as well change your friends. And when I realized that, travel, changing my group of, of people that I, hang around, that I started hanging around, yeah, it opened up my mind. To so, man, I started smoking cigars because Jonathan asked me about, hey, you know about cigars? I was like, I have no clue. Right. And we started, and he started talking about it. Yeah, it's right? just a conversation started, really. I got, almost. I got Either it with yourself yeah, or with others. With others, I got into uh, to whiskey, to bourbon. Yeah, the Bourbon Connection is a group that I'm, I'm part owner in with my man Rodney Jycaster and, and and Jared Pickens. Uh, you know, I got into that because uh, I had a conversation with Rodney, and yeah, Rodney was COVID like, "Kind of does yeah, that too, you know? Like that was yeah. like one of the, my wife gives me shit about that all the time, but mm -hmm. like." It was an outlet. You it know, was like an outlet. You couldn't. I'm a social person. I can help sales went through the roof. And you doing could, yeah, you couldn't. <laughs> no one had ever told me like you can't go out and be social. Yeah, you you got to stay in your house. Yeah, I wasn't doing. You that. can't do anything. Yeah, I wasn't either. Yeah. And like that was my outlet. You know, I had a lot of other, you know, outside circumstances yeah. that were not allowing me to do a lot of the things that I want to do. But, I, you know, with my job, I was considered an essential worker. worker. Yep. So that allowed me to get out a little bit. But, like, I was literally, like, I did not do well with COVID. Like, yeah. I was not doing well with, like, being locked up. Yeah. Can't socialize. Can't do it wasn't just I'm you. a people person. I cannot yeah. sit and do that. Well, this is the thing, G. But what? bourbon was yeah. one of those things that, like, you could go out and hunt bourbon. It was like an adult treasure hunt mm -hmm. and go find bourbon. And then there was all these bourbon clubs and they're having these meetings and groups outside waiting for bottles to drop and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I'm injecting myself in that. So that's and how you I got did, into it? That's how I got into all it. Right. I mean, I was always a bourbon fan. Yeah. But when it came to like growing what is now my bourbon collection yeah. and all that, and I've even gone down many other roads since then with tequila and yep. other spirits and yep. you know i just it was i met a lot of amazing great people in this master distillers yeah great people and made great friends in these groups man like yeah it was a it was another outlet was something Listen, else we were we were born to socialize man we were born to be around people nobody like when people talk about oh i'm a, i'm an introvert or you know i'm a recluse and all that i mean you might subscribe to that, but that's not your natural nature. I don't right. believe that. Because if that was your natural nature, then there would never be a need for you to have to be around anything. And a lot of those people, what do they have? If they're not around people, they're around pets. So yeah. then you're, you're, you're using that excuse of not being around people for whatever because reason. Because you haven't learned certain social, social skills, skills and things like, that. things like that. Or, yeah. you, or, or you, you don't want to be judged. Whatever. Whatever the, yeah. the case may be. But when COVID happened, the amount of suicides went through the roof. Yeah. The amount of divorces yeah. went through the roof. Domestic abuse. Domestic abuse. Child abuse. Child abuse. Everything. All of those things. So when you mix locking people up inside their house. Yeah. Cutting their pay. Cutting their jobs. Because the jobs were, were crazy, right? Yeah. Right? And you have all of these negative things weighing. There was no way. That's why, you know, I'm not into politics. But shout out to Texas. Because Texas was the only uh, state that was like, to hell with this. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, we're going to give the people the choice. Yeah. This, you know what it is. This is what's happening. We're opening it up. We're going to do it slowly, but we're opening it up. You guys figure it out, right? And yeah. so because of that, what do we start seeing? 
all these different people from all these different places started coming to Texas. Yeah. And you Californians, let me talk go to you guys, back. man. <laughs> go back to where y'all can. Some of y'all, some of y'all can stay because y'all some driving y'all cool. some. some y'all, y'all driving cool. some hellified business to Texas. So <laughs> the, the ones that are doing that, but the rest of y'all, y'all go back and pay them eight dollar gas little, prices. My little brother moved out there. I yeah. mean, great, he was out there before, and then in the middle of COVID, moved to Hawaii. Well, yeah, rough life. But I mean, he yeah. had to, like quarantine for like two, three weeks. It was, yeah. it was crazy. Yeah. But let's let's go back to this real quick because I let's think this it. is very important. You said something a minute ago that I have found myself. I mean, I had this conversation last week with a good friend. Okay. Who's a little bit younger than me. I have a very eclectic group of friends. I have a group that's, you know, five, ten years younger than me. Yeah. And I have a group that can be five, ten years older than me. I want to kick it with that group. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mix it with both groups. Mm. And, you know, sometimes they mesh well. Sometimes, you know, you keep groups in their own lane. Correct. But as an athlete and, you know, everything else... Choosing friends and who you let in your circle has mm. to be very, very crucial decision for yes. you because figuring out people's true motives and everything else has to be a thing you battle with constantly. Yeah. And we have this conversation, you know, I mean, I'm not a pro athlete or anything like that, but, you know, we have this conversation and I've noticed in my lifetime, you know, my dad says something. You know, I lost my dad when I was 24. He had his first mm. heart attack when I was 14. Wow, yeah. Um, but I remember him saying something to me when I was really young. He said, if you get to be my age and you can count your true friends on one hand, you're a very blessed man. Yeah. And at first I thought, like, man, you are crazy. Mm. I have all these friends. Like, especially since I moved to Texas. Like, Texas was the easiest place I ever moved to, yeah. had to live to make friends. Yep. They're like, oh, you have a cool accent. You yep. know, all this stuff. Because <laughs> yeah. at the time I had this Connecticut accent because yeah. I'd lived there for three years. Got it. And, like, my wife jokes called me the social chameleon because yeah. you put me around something. I don't even know I'm doing it, yep. but I will mimic yep. whatever you're giving me. <laughs> I mean, you want to go hood, yeah. you can go hood, and I'm going to, without even thinking about it, I'm going to start reflecting it back because I'm just trying to fit in. Yep. And I didn't realize that about myself until my wife called me out on it. Yeah. You know, her cousins came in from Europe, and I was talking like I'd been to Europe. Yeah. And she's like, are you making fun of them? And yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's yeah. like, you just said wanker and all these yeah. other dumb things, and you've never even been to Europe. Yeah. I was like, I didn't even realize I said that. Yeah. Like, But I was just trying to fit in. Yeah. Because if you don't fit in, you're the outcast. Correct. And, you know, I've learned through moving every three years growing up, that ain't a fun place to be all the time. Got you. So it your experience be, caused you to be that way. Caused me to be Absolutely. that way. Absolutely. Experience but, is I mean, important. You know, I've also known from that time period, you know, I, I told my dad, I was like, you're crazy, man. I'm like, I'm popular here. You know, I have all these friends. He's like, you don't have a bunch of friends. You have a bunch of acquaintances. Yeah. And I did not understand that I definition until that. I was like way, way older. Yeah. But even then, I still see that like your true friends, those, those ones, you know, maybe you count on one hand. Mm. They're always going to be there. Yeah. But then your other friends and the social groups you hang out with and that you socialize with, those come and go and kind of change. Like, yeah. do you see that happening? Like, about every five years or so, I see that, like, you kind of, like, depending on as you get older, it's quicker to just dismiss a lot of that. Yeah. But, like, we, we've had this conversation several times recently of, like, you know, that circle you surround yourself, you can either make your team great. Yep. And I'm going to use the word team again because – who you run around with and who you're hanging out with yeah. is a direct reflection of you. And it's Correct. either going to, you're going to stay right where you're at 
you go down, you could go up. Yep. But if you're putting yourself around other things and pushing your limits and stuff like that, I feel like that's the only place you find true growth. How yeah. do you deal with that and how do you find that? Because I know that's got to be a lot different from a professional athlete because y'all have people pulling on you from every direction, trying to market you, sell you, yeah. everything else, be your best friend, yeah. and, you know, all that. Well, the first thing you have to... There's multiple ways I can go with that. All right, so so for me, I'm very, I'm a very I'm a very blessed man because there's a, a old saying that you are the sum of the five people that you hang out with. You know, show me show me show me your friends, and I'll show you the man. Right. All of those type of things, dude. I have three brothers, so I'm already in the game deep just off of that. Right. Shout out to Brandon James. Shout out to my brother Mike Hills, Jeremy Hills. I love you boys. But I got three brothers, man. So yeah. collectively, there's four of us. So out of as that, we, there's only one more that's Family needed, side. right? So that one more can be interchangeable, right? Yeah. Right. The, the, the fifth one would be my, yeah. my wife, right? There so, go. so there we go. You got saved right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there you go. So that's my five. But like, I look at it and I say, okay, I am a realist. You are not going to be around people that you cannot use or that doesn't add some sort of value to your life. Let's just be honest. Yeah. Right? And so now what you have to decide, and this is where the reflection comes from. Who are you? Because I had a little bit of that as well. I didn't have a father in my life. My older brother was my father figure. And so I had to try to figure out what manhood was about. This is why philosophy, for me, my foundation is all, it's, it's always going to be starting with the Bible. That's my foundation. Okay. I got uh, the most high is my, my Lord and Savior. That's what I roll with. What he say I do. It's, that's, how, that's how I move. So that's my foundation. But when you start to study philosophy and you start to, to, to dig into the lives of great men, you talked about Marcus Aurelius. I would like to go in the time period of Hannibal because in, during the time of the Punic Wars, his strategy was unprecedented. All the strategy of war, even the Romans and America, yeah. all of that, the originator of those strategies was that guy, right? Yeah. Um, and so I would like to see what that's about. But I look at that and I say, okay, who am I as a man? Once you identify that, now let's identify our weaknesses. And then if we can identify our weaknesses, let's say, okay, which, which, what, what brother that I, I can be around that is strong in my weakness, right? Yeah. That's the person that I want to hang with. That's who I'm going to get the most, gro the most growth from. That's who's going to challenge me the most. So when you find a group of those guys, you hang on to those guys, right? And the thing is, the feeling is mutual. Like, I got friends, and then I got brothers. And there's a difference. There's a big difference. There's a difference. And then you got acquaintances. Yeah. Acquaintances are interchangeable. The friends are seasonal. But the brothers are for life. And so for me, it's really just about who are you as a person? Do you do what you say you're going to do? And if you're a brother that happens to be in a relationship, I don't care if you're married or not, just any relationship that, with, with, with the significant other, I watch how you treat that person. Because if you treat them like shit, I stand no chance. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, I, mean, I stand no chance. So like, sure. yeah, to your question, yeah, there's people that want to be around me because of the network that I have, because of what I do, because of who I know, uh, because of who I am, because of what I've accomplished. Absolutely. Uh, I'm aware of that. And I'm okay with that as long as there's a mutual way for me to be able to leverage what they bring to the table. Right. And if there isn't any value, then I don't want anything to do with you. 
And that's, yeah, that might be harsh to some people, but that's the reality because I know where I want to go. I know yeah. where I'm building. You have a clear path that you've laid out for yourself. I don't, I, I cannot settle for average. So if you are a negative person and you believe in average, you will not see me around you because I cannot do it. It irritates me. Yeah. It, 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 like, it's repulsive. And really, it, it, yeah, like, it's yeah. just like a stitch that you can't get off of you. Like, yeah. It's a guy out here that's causing a lot of ruckus. His name is Andrew Tate. That is a conversation. But okay. this guy, this guy. I've not heard that name. Oh, so man. No social me social media has banned this man. They, the YouTube, they call him a threat to society. So I said, well, let me listen. Because usually what I found out is that when the media tries to tell me that somebody is a threat, when you go and you actually realize, they did it with Kevin Samuels. Okay. He's a threat to, him, to, to, to women. And then I go and watch all of his, well, not all, but a lot of his content. And I'm like, well, how is he a threat? Because the same thing he's saying to women, he's saying to men. Right? So he's an equal opportunity as it exchange to, hey, get your shit together. Step it up and be real about yourself. Those were the three things that I, now his delivery might have been. That's what you took from it. Yeah, delivery might have been could be different if okay. if you're you know if you if it's hard to digest for you. But I was always taught don't listen to the uh, don't listen to the messenger. Listen, don't listen to the way the messenger portrays the message. Listen to the message. When I listen to the message, I'm like, well, I agree with that. Well, I agree with that. Well, I, so what makes him bad? And what I found out is that people will scream to the mountaintops. I just want to know the truth. But then when people give you the truth, you're not ready to accept it. We, we as a people love being lied to. We love it. It's true. We love it's it. It's been instilled through. I, 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 and this is me. This is, this is how I transition a little bit. But when you, when you get into the financial sector, they tell you the way to retirement to have a good life is to get a good job, go to school, get a good job. Invest in your 401k and then retire. And the money that you put in your 401k is what you're going to live off of. You're going to live a great life. But not everybody has a 401k. I mean, I work for a small company. You have we that. don't have a 401k. You have that. You and, then, and then this is the thing, though. Now I start to simplify things. Why would the government institute these type of programs? All the programs that the government institute, they are able to tax. So when what people don't understand, this is for all the, the, the listeners that do have it. First and foremost, you have to go back and research what was the original benefit for it? Why was it created? The second thing is what you're going to come to find out is that they call Ted Benner the father of the 401k. He was the one that created it. 95% of Ted Benner's wealth is not even in his own creation. 95%. That's a lot. Of his wealth is not even in the thing that he created. But it's pushed to the masses. It's these type of things that I want people to start to realize, man. Just listen. Just, just find the simplicity of things that are being told and challenge it. That's all I want. Challenge the simplicity question of what you're telling. Yeah. At least question, question it. it. Challenge it. However we want to word it. But like think upon it. Right? Just yeah. a little bit. And just ask yourself, does this really make sense? Because we're not gonna, we're gonna make all this money. We're not gonna tax you until the end. Let's just look at farmers. If I'm a farmer and I have a bunch of seeds and I haven't planted these seeds and I'm gonna have to pay taxes, would I rather be taxed on the harvest or on the seeds? 
tax me on the goddamn seeds, man. That's a little, yeah. I don't, it ain't created nothing yet. Tax me yeah. on that, right? And so, like, it's those type of things that I look at. But, you know, just looking at, listen to people that have actually done something and then identify if you agree with that or not. That's the one thing that I think that we need to start doing as a as a people, man. Just yeah, and judging thing if it's just right or wrong. Like yeah. get not everything has to be put in a box these days. And it does categorized. It does. And like that that frustrates the living hell out of me. Uh, like you got social media to can think we for that. just go with what's right, what's wrong? Like mm. most people have at least a good idea of what that's about. It's subjective. But I know I know Biz gave me the sign a minute ago and I forgot uh, to do this with Jonathan. <laughs> so I cannot forget to do this with you, and I feel like this is the perfect time to do it. So we have a little portion of this podcast that I like to call Give Me Your Two Cents. Mm. Now, give me your two cents. Give me the game on can it. Can be anything that you want to go to. It yeah. does not have to be financial. It could be yeah. personal. Yeah. It could be society. It yeah. could be politics. I really don't care what it is. But something that like really irks you where you feel like people just don't have any common sense about XYZ or that it's just something maybe that's happened in the recent times with you that like comes to mind and give us your honest two cents on it. Mm. Well, if, if, so my, my mission is to, to, to the people, right? Mm-hmm. The thing that irks me is how we move like sheep. We're sheeple. That irks me. Because right now, we're in the information age. You could tell me something right now, G. Right. And if I believe that it's bullshit, I literally can pull my phone out and research what and you just Google told me. it. <laughs> I mean, just a Google search. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna. And, and, and it's gonna touch. It's okay. gonna touch some people. <laughs> you had the country ready to go to war. Behind, are you wearing your mask, or are you not wearing your mask? This is just an example yep. of being sheeple. Yep. You had the government come out and say, wear your mask, you gotta wear your mask, this is gonna protect you against COVID. And you had some people that said, I don't see how that works, you know, it's airborne, these masks don't really keep things out, it just, I don't understand. Yeah. Months go by, that same government that said that told you, and I'm not, a, I, you know, I don't have any quarrels, I'm not me against the government, I don't, you do what yeah. you wanna do, I don't care, I, I don't even move off of what, that, what they do. It's just the mentality. Yeah. That same government came out and said, Wear your mask. It's not really going to stop anything. <laughs> yeah. But wear your mask anyway, right? Yeah. And just the amount of people. It might help. It, yeah, man. It, <laughs> well, they came out and said that it didn't. Well, yeah, I know. But they, they went from it does. It does. It, it might, might to, to it won't. No, it doesn't really. And help. so the amount of, like, you had families that were torn apart. You had relationships that were torn apart. Like, this was a real thing. And nobody just sat down and asked hey, man, what is the truth about this particular thing? What is this? How did this... It came from China. It, it, it was created in a lab. It, it's all these different things. It was because 5G was out. You had all these different things, and we just moved. Hey, they said, do this, do this. They said, do that, do that. So the thing that irks me is that in a, in a, in a time and space to where we literally have information at the touch of our fingertips... At lightning speed. At lightning speed, we... St- 
still will not take the time just to sit down and study a little bit about the things that we're being told. Or reflect on it for like five minutes. I mean, this same thing, man, like this was a big issue in my family. I mean, I'm not even going to lie. Like, you know, I had family members that were going through cancer. Mm. That played a big part in it, you know, and being able to be around people. Uh, I had people that were, you know, all different medical situations that like it forced a lot of these tough conversations. But like at the same time, man, like you said, there wasn't a whole lot of let's step back and like, can we just reflect upon what we're being told and yeah. what's been said? Yeah. And can any time go by? No, it was yeah. like, you have to do this. Here's my point. Is COVID gone? No. Look how we operate now. Yeah. That is my point. It's like treated <laughs> like the cold now. That the is flu. That is my else. point. And I'm not belittling anybody that uh, yeah, and, and I'm not died either. or had issues. I didn't care COVID. which side you took. Yeah, exactly. But I'm saying my thing was it's just about like respect. Yeah. Respect I don't, each I, other's decisions. I don't subscribe to what you subscribe right. to, and that is okay. And but that's we, the problem with today's society is that's like another that's the particip- second part of the sense that yeah. I was going to. Participation you, you, trophies you, you, and stuff you can't lose. <laughs> you in the spirit. We're yeah, the you can't page. lose to like you said earlier yeah. to quote you. You're like you know a lot comes out of the darkness. Mm. A lot comes out of losing in life. Mm. If you don't lose, you're never gonna win. Mm. I mean, I firmly believe that. If you've if you never had your ass beat, mm-hmm. you don't even know. Listen, like I mean, like you have to experience these things in life absolutely. to learn and grow. Absolutely. And like you have to go through the dark. You yeah. have to go through losing. Yeah. You have to go through getting your ass whipped. Yeah. If you don't, you don't have anything to fall back on. My biggest. You don't even growth. know. Like, and you would never. It's like the lottery winners. Yep. You know, like, I won the lotto. I never did shit in life, but I won the lotto. Yep. And they're all broke, like, a year later. Yeah. Because they don't know. They've yeah. never, you know, it's not like it happens to that person that's been putting in the work. Nope. And trying and nope. doing that. Like, that doesn't happen. Mm-mm. But the other happens all the time. Your biggest growth will never come through your wins. It'll always come through adversity. You have and that's from a it. Super Bowl winner, y'all. <laughs> you got to like, embrace He's it. won a national championship. Yep. He's won a Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, just accolades, but yeah. I mean, you know, listen, my biggest, you've done it. You've been there. My biggest, my biggest trophy was not those, though. My biggest trophy is that I graduated from a major university. That was my biggest trophy. That was the hardest challenge. Education was the hardest challenge. Sports came natural. But to be able to sit down and to study and to continue to beat the wall down for something that I didn't understand. While doing everything while else. While doing that. That was my biggest thing. So what I'm telling people is that for me, for me personally, my way to the light came through the darkness. I, I'll, I'll say this, and if we got to go, we got to go. Oh, we got a few Bane, more minutes. Bane is one of my favorite characters of all time. Bang, bang. The, 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 specifically, specifically, no, Bane. Specifically the one Tom Hardy oh, played bang. in The Dark Knight. And he said something while he was fighting, when he was fighting uh, Batman. He said, ah, oh, you think darkness is your ally. You merely adopted the darkness. He said, I was born in it, molded by it. I didn't see the light till I was a grown man, and by that time it was nothing but blinding. 
I live that, man. I live that, man. I, love I look that. for the hard because that is where the biggest growth comes from. And so many people run from it. it a guy, I heard a guy talk about, he said, my grandfather said that, that uh, tough times make, tough men make hard times, right? And he said, uh, uh, he said, hard times make tough men. Tough, make, tough men make easy times. Easy times make, uh, I believe he said, uh, soft men, right? And so, and then soft men create hard times. So there's a persistent cycle that continues to happen. You, it, it's going to happen. If you were the person that created wealth in your family, bro, that shit is hard. That first million is hard. You talk to millionaires, and you, you hear the story, I, I lost my wife, I lost my kids, I slept in my car, I didn't have no shoes, I, I had one toothbrush for two years. Like, you talk about the grind of what it took to become a millionaire. Their kids will never know it. Now, this is the thing. The kids will see how daddy worked, and they'll adapt some of that. But by the time you get to that second generation, oh, this is all we know. So we don't understand work. We don't understand what hard is. This is how life is. So we're not going to put in the same amount of effort. Therefore, the wealth is going to be diminished. And so now they have nothing to pass down to their kids. And now this is where, and he's one of my, he's one of my favorite people that I like to listen to. Um, Michael, Jordan's, uh, Michael Jordan's coach. Um, Phil Jackson. No, 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 no. This was his trainer. This was his trainer. Tim Grover. I'm not going to forget his name. Tim Grover. Tim Grover was the trainer right. of Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, you name it. You name it, he owned it. He said, there's a bill that's going to be passed down to your generation. And it is the bill of regret. And you're either going to pass that bill down or you're going to pay that bill. And it's going to hit every single generation until somebody in that generation decides to pay it. So the question you have to ask is, are you going to be the one to pay that bill? We got to pay the bill, man. You, yeah. you got to pay it. Well, uh, my, my assistant says you got to pay, the, you gotta pay the, uh, the cost to be the boss. You have to pay the cost. There is no way around it. Everything that you've ever done in your life that was about anything was hard. Yeah. It was hard. It challenged you. You wanted to quit. You cried. You were in pain. You bled. To win a Super Bowl, everybody sees the trees, nobody sees the root. Everybody sees the trees, but nobody sees the roots. To win a Super Bowl, before we ever got to Tampa and won that sticky Lombardi and tears were flowing, bro, we sweated in the sun in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Or just like that last drive in the national championship game. I we mean, sweated in the sun in Austin, Texas. Yeah. That's what I'm trying and, to tell people. And how did you feel about that practice? I got to ask because Jonathan Scott told me a story about that practice. Like the practice before the game. Man, it was intense. It was intense because we were ready because we knew what was at stake, man. Like, you got to think about this. USC is a dynasty. They just beat the brakes off of Oklahoma to the year before. Yeah. Right? And so we have all this talk about who has the better team. There was no money involved in that on our end. That was about pride. You had a bunch of guys. Some of them had names, but there wasn't no Matt Leinart. We had Vince. Yeah. There wasn't no Matt Leinart. There wasn't no Reggie Bush, Lindell White, Brian Cushing, you know, uh, uh, um, all these other players that they had. 
you know, uh, Tyler Smith. It was all the unsexy players you guys had, yourself included, you know, like, not calling you unsexy here. No, no, I definitely. I mean, like, all these linemen, defensive, offensive. Bro, we were grinding. And, like, but how many of those guys went to the NFL? I mean, good God. Texas, we embraced grimy. Our thing was fourth quarter. You do what you want for the first three quarters. But in the fourth quarter, we're going to put you to bed. We're going to put our foot on your neck, and we're going to crush your trachea. We were the type of people to where if, if we saw you, if we saw you in the shallow end of the water and you were struggling to, you were struggling to get to the, to, the, to the shore, we was gonna grab your ass and take you in the deep end and drown you. That was the violence that we had. That was how we played. That is what we believed in. You are not better than us. How do you beat a team that has you down 35 to seven at halftime in Oklahoma State? And then you come back and shut them out and they don't score a point for the second half, and you put up 49 points on their ass and walk out 56-35. How do you do that? You have to have a belief that no matter what's going on in my life, this is why sports, business, and life run parallel. No matter what is going on, and I want people to really believe this. Listen, I'll look in the camera for this one. No matter what is going on in your life, you will only lose You can only lose if you quit. Do not quit. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what the circumstance is. I don't care who we've lost. I don't care what we've lost. If you decide that no matter what the fuck is going on in my life, I will not quit. I promise you. I promise you, you are going to win. Yeah, you're going to win. Stop battling other people. It's you versus you. That is it. Every day that I wake up, I'm trying to beat myself. My brother has this thing that he says, shout out to Jay Hills at the Collective in Austin, Texas. Win the day. Just win the fucking day. That means when, if I wake up, if I, if I set my alarm at 5 a.m., and get your ass up. Win that moment. Yeah, don't hit snooze. Don't hit the snooze. Don't if you say you're going to eat right, fucking eat right. If you're going to work out, fucking work out. If you're going to study, fucking study. This is very simple. Every day we make the decision to do or not to do. But we let so many other things clog that. I mean, I'm guilty yeah, of it. But lack like, of discipline. Yeah. Lack of discipline. I've, when, once I started embracing discipline, my life changed. You could put, if, if I, 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 Sunday through Friday, Friday, Friday night, I'm going in. But Sunday through Friday, I do not eat junk food. I eat meal prep Sunday through Friday. You could put a stack of fucking Krispy Kreme donuts, hot, sticky, right here in front of me. I will, <laughs> I will not touch them bitches. Not because I don't want to. I don't have a desire to. I want to devour them. Put the milk next to it as well. Yeah. I want to go in. Oatmeal cookies? Oh, my God. I'm not going to eat it. Because my result of who, what I want my body to be is more intense and the discipline that I have is more intense than that instant gratification. Everything that we do in life is predicated on do we have instant or do we have delayed? And this is the thing, and I'm always going to bring it back to finance. Wealthy people have decided to make more decisions dealing with delayed gratification than those that are lacking finances do. There you guys have it right it. there. Might be one of the most important things y'all have heard all That's night. It, man. Not, not to diminish anything else y'all have heard. 
And I know I'm getting the sign over here. We got to wrap this up, man. Let's do it. I want to thank you for coming and being a part of this. Thank I know this is an early me. podcast. Thank you for being one of my beloved guests. Man, I appreciate it. And you, I too. hope we get to do this again. I want to rock with the blueprint yeah, and, man. you know, learn more because you've been an inspiration to me. Thank you, man. And just the time I've got to spend around you, which, you know, I was fortunate to get, you know, some time through some of our mutual friends. Yep. And to start building this friendship with you. Absolutely. And I, I really appreciate you coming on here and just being open and honest with all these people listening. Because, man, that's that's why I did this. So, yeah, you know, man. like these kind of conversations, because you and I just chilling, whether we're watching a Cowboys game, that's whatever. It. We end up not watching the damn game. because yeah, we like, <laughs> We're talking like this yeah. and what y'all are seeing. And, like, that's what I wanted to share with people. Yeah. So, man, I can't thank you enough for coming on here breaking away from your family and your yeah. business and spending the time to share this with everybody, man. Yeah, man. Appreciate I truly you, appreciate it. I hope you'll be back, man. Absolutely, man. Anytime. Until next time, y'all give Common Sense the podcast a follow. Stats, financial services, the blueprint. Yes, sir. Any other thing you want to throw out there? Man, I mean, like, throw yeah. it out there, my man, man. I appreciate it, man. Listen, if you guys can, man, man, really subscribe to this podcast. My man G is doing some great things. Man, shout out to my man Busy for putting uh, the, the, the technology aspect of this together. Because without and the And was on time, y'all. Yeah, so none was. of y'all be yeah, sending me no bullshit yeah. messages Don't or anything. Don't do it. Biz was on time. Hey, listen. Biz was doing his hey, deal. Biz said, Biz said, no excuses, no explanations, only results, man. He made it happen. So uh, follow the Legacy Blueprint on Facebook. Uh, follow me at uh, Tony the Tycoon on Instagram. And if you guys want to interact with me um, via um, setup, like any type of, you know, connection go to statfinancial.info you'll hit work with tony man and set up a meeting and we can talk all of my consultations yeah. my first consultations are always free i don't charge for that hey, y'all, and he right. is available like don't this yeah. is not bullshit and smoke and mirrors i mean when i first met tony mm. he was like yo here's my number hit me up let's talk and he reached back with me in 24 hours. Like, I mean, That's like, it. I didn't even have to follow up with him. He followed up with me. That's it, man. And, like, this is not bullshit. If y'all want to do some business with Tony, y'all know where to find him now. And, I mean, you might get a call from Alicia, but, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's not quite there anymore. But, y'all, uh, yeah, y'all give my man a shout. Follow his stuff. I mean, as you can see, he's putting great content out there. He really, truly is educating people and trying to share this knowledge. And, man, there can't be enough said about that. We don't have enough true educators yeah. in this world, and they don't get enough credit when they do. Yeah, last thing I'll say, man, and we can get out of here because we still got a, you know the rest of this cigar to smoke. Man, care about people. Care about yourself and care about people. You do those two things, you're going to be all right in life. Thank you. You guys give Common Sense the podcast a follow. Give my man a follow. And we will see you next week. Same time, same place. Hook them horns. Oh, no. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah, I'm not getting out of here without that. I'm going to have to book me a sooner soon. Nah, you're getting out of here, man.